Hi everybody, welcome to Tech Thoughts, a show about tech advice, a short how-to, and why you should care. This is season four, episode three. It feels so empty. I hate say not it. doing just it. Just say it. Just say it. It's fine. Or overall, episode forty-seven. Hi, uh, that's Art. That's a really cute one right there. And that's Jade. She's the smart one. The disclaimer: We are both smart and cute. So, welcome to the second episode of the gaming arc, which I will just admit right now keeps getting longer, mostly because the episodes keep getting too long to do in one episode. So we were supposed to cover the entire rest of video game console history here. We, we couldn't. But we will get another good chunk in, and we will do that after we plug our social media. So you can find us at our Instagram at Tech Thoughts Podcast. We do our after show there every Friday at 8 p.m. ET. That should be the time for the foreseeable future because I don't have a class at 8 p.m. ET, so we should be good. Provided nothing goes terribly wrong, like greyhounds or whatever. Provided nothing goes terribly wrong, like greyhounds. God, I hate greyhound. Me too. Anyway, um, yeah, but that is our that is our Instagram, and you can also find us at our website, which is Jay. Techthoughts.gay. Which is a domain name that we have to renew soon, soon. don't we? Yes, yeah. very soon. All right. But yeah, where we ended off last episode, the video game crash of 1983 nearly destroyed the video game market. So how do we bounce back from that? I mean, clearly video games are still a thing today. So how'd that happen? Let's continue our history lesson. And this starts with the third generation of video game consoles. All right. So asking what the first video game console was released in 1983 and therefore what kickstarted the third generation of game consoles gets you two whole answers. How the fuck did that happen? Well, two companies put out a console on on July 15th, 1983. There was Sega with their very first console, the SG-1000. And Nintendo with the Famicom, the family computer, later known outside of Japan as the NES. You know, that little box everyone's heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. While the SG-1000 was not much of a success... The Famicom was. It sold 19.35 million units. And if you include the NES, it's 61.91 million units. That's sick. Um, But, like, why did it and really the whole third generation of consoles get so much acclaim? Well, the Famicom was the first console to include the directional pad, the D-pad, a mainstay in today's game controllers. Unless you're Nintendo, where you decided you'll just have four buttons, assholes. Um... So, you know, clearly a good idea. And joysticks that don't work, but yeah, go on. No, no, and joysticks that break over time. Beautiful planned obsolescence. Anyway. It's planned obsolescence done poorly because they fix them for you. Like, it's not like they force you to buy new Joy-Cons. You can send them to them and they'll fix them for you. Like, it's not even getting more money out of you. It's just making more work for them. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're going to talk about the Switch and all of its failures later. in so many episodes. One. <laughs> Coming one. later. And two, the handheld episode and the, and the, and the. The, the handheld's a mini-sode. Anyway, moving on. The Famicom was also the first console to allow users to actually save their progress in a game, such as in The Legend of Zelda, as it included an uh, onboard bit of memory and a battery, so it could actually do all of that. Wait, are you implying that the first Legend of Zelda game came out in, like, 83? No, it came out in 1986. Okay, that's still way older than I thought Legend of Zelda was, so that's impressive. Go on. Um, yeah, so the whole third generation generally was also the first to move from scrolling graphics, as in away from the many single-screen flip-screen games of older generations, 
Um, and we're the first to support 8-bit graphics and 8-bit everything, really. Um, meaning it had support for more colors and complex visuals. So that's neat. So is this one video game started looking a lot more like video games that we identify today as being video games? Yes, though I think telling video games they cannot identify as video games is rude. Anyway. The third generations also had some interesting asides. For one, Sega actually made three iterations of the SG-1000, ending with the Sega Master System in 1986. See, we're back. The Master System was technically a more powerful system than the NES Famicom. It was, in the, it was a hybrid 8-bit slash 16-bit device. That makes it still like a firm, firmly a third-generation console. But it had a lack of consistently good game releases and somehow still did kind of well. Somehow it still did kind of well. It sold 18.91 million units, or 20.19 million if you include the technically identical Sega Mark III. The lack of good game releases was partly due to Nintendo preventing developers who were releasing on the NES and Famicom from releasing their games on other devices, though this also likely helped prevent the influx of garbage games from the older generations. So, you know, double-edged sword. Uh, E.T. will never happen again. E.T. will not come home. Okay, so moving on to the fourth generation. Uh, well, fourth-generation consoles were actually ushered in by the first true 16-bit-powered machines, unlike the Master Systems hybrid model. In fact, for the next couple of generations, the hardware is kind of what really separates them all. Um, at first, we're going to lie to you and say that wasn't true at all, because the generation was started by the TurboGrafx-16, also known as the PC Engine in Japan. It was first released in 1987. It was actually a device that ran on a 8-bit CPU, so we've already screwed up, didn't we? Um, but it did have two 16-bit GPUs, a color encoder, and a video controller. So it's pretty 16-bit, you know? It, it has one small problem, don't hold it against it. Um, and they were also the first... Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. Why? This is a song, right? This is more, there's more words to that. It's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> they were also the first to advertise their devices using bits. Um, and it's kind of what caught on for the next couple of generations. Released later in 1988 was the Sega Genesis, which was also known as the Mega Drive, first in Japan, um, and sort of properly started the console wars. Uh, see, the TurboGrafx was the start of the fourth generation, but the Genesis and Super NES slash Famicom, released in 1990, were the true stars of this generation. The beginning of a proper war between Sega and Nintendo. Sega threw the first punch, as the US market was, well, pretty dang big. So it was, a it was desirable to get a good foothold in there. And the Genesis was there an entire year before the SNES. So what'd Sega do? They started shit-talking. It was advertising time. They have a saying called, Genesis does what Nintendo don't. I forgot about that, and I love that saying so very much. <laughs> it's great. Um, Sega passed itself as the cool choice, showing off its sleek black aesthetic and pointing out its blast processing feature, which means nothing. It, it, I don't know why they say it. It doesn't mean a damn thing. Because um, it sounds cool. It does, doesn't it? Nintendo sort of did the same thing, only they were really bad at it. Their tagline was, now you're playing with superpower. And it's really cheesy and very That's Nintendo. That's really cheesy, but I kind of still like it. It's it, very <laughs> Nintendo, you're right. It, it's very Nintendo. Uh, it, yeah, it kind of does turn the fourth generation into a, like a spec rattle off at each other in advertisements. Mm-hmm. But one cool thing Nintendo did do, other than shit-talk people, was develop this add-on peripheral known as the Satellaview for the SNES, a device which allowed players to download games, magazines, and other freaky media through satellite broadcasts. In 1990? Yeah, it's a little wild, ain't it? 
That's insane. A little bit. I really I think it's really cool. Sorry, it, it was released in '95, but yes, that's still cool. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, Back when Nintendo innovated, you know. All right. What do you mean? That's the one thing they do do. But anyway, go on. Uh-huh. Sorry, I'm 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 busy thinking about Game Freak running the Pokemon games into the ground. But that that's that you're that's right. Not that's Nintendo. not Nintendo. It's not Nintendo. You're right. You're right. I apologize. And with all this war going on, how could it ever possibly end? Oh wait, no. Sony just kind of killed it by bringing in the PlayStation. Um, there have been more wars and consoles since then, but none of them have really had that kind of crazy vitriol and none of them have ever had just two companies going at them anymore because from this point forward we're gonna have more contenders yeah and that brings us to the fifth generation the fifth generation was the advent of widespread 3d graphics also referred to as the 32-bit and 3d eras and and technically speaking also the 64-bit era because spoiler alert nintendo 64 came out this generation but go on so the first console out of the gate was actually the Sega Saturn, released on November 22, 1994. The Saturn was the first CD-ROM running fifth generation console, though it was quickly murdered by the PlayStation, which came out like a week or two later. So it was a total commercial failure. The Sony PlayStation, a device that was originally planned to be made for Nintendo, uh, is also was also a console that could read CD-ROMs. Uh, when Nintendo pulled out and after a ton of legal bullshit, Sony released the PlayStation on December 3rd, 1994. Now, hold on. Why are we dismissing the Saturn so quickly? Well, because the Saturn wanted to be special and its basic geometric primitive, which are the shapes used to create 3D models, was based on quadrilaterals, while the entire industry, even today, uses triangles. Whoops. So, yeah. The Nintendo 64 was also a thing that came to exist. I spent my entire childhood wanting one out of some weird sense of nostalgia. Um, it still used cartridges over CD-ROMs, uh, but it was rele- and it was released all the way in June 1996. Things that the fifth generation also shared. Uh, FMV, which is full motion videos and games for pre-rendered cutscenes or live action stuff. Resolutions up to 480i. Oh, that is so <laughs> quaint to say. It is so quaint to say. Um, which is the, which were seen in the Nintendo 64. And analog controllers, which I think are still kind of cool, I'm not gonna lie. Which one had the really, like, janky, like, try one? Like, like the, that the was controller the 64. with, like... I was making sure, I was like, was that the 64? Yeah, I, I, I hate that thing, but I love it at the same time. I have very mixed feelings about it. You see, after Nintendo made us deal with that shitty three, three-handed three alien controller, they brought back the tri-wing <laughs> pain in the form of their screws, where you can't open any of their consoles with their stupid tri-wings. Anyway. Stra- cries, cries in my broken 3DS. Anyway, go I'm on. I'm sorry! It, it might be okay, we'll see what happens. Let's do it. We're finally here. It's time for the sixth generation of consoles. The last time where Sega had a console on the market. And for these, we're going to go a bit faster since there's not much special this generation, or rather nothing terribly interesting that I could think of when I wrote this. Um, yeah, the Sega Dreamcast was the first console of this generation. And I really love it, and I'm going to defend it a lot. Being being more serious first. Um, the first thing it did, right? It had a built-in modem for allowing downloadable content and online play. The first of its kind to be built into an actual console that's been shipped. And again, we've we've talked about other downloadable content devices, you know, Satella, View, and um, olden times back in the second generation, that weird dial-up modem thing. But this was using the internet, and it came out in November 1998, which was kind of its downfall. The Dreamcast had to deal with a lot of stiff competition. Sony's PlayStation 2 was the next of the 6th-gen consoles, and it was released on March 4th, 2000, a whole year and a half after the Dreamcast. 
but it kind of did something smarter that no one really saw coming, which was supporting DVDs. And this was the first console to support them. Two, making a console that can play DVDs, as in movies, means you've just created a whole other reason to buy this console other than video games. It's also a home media uh, center thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, So... Clearly, other people would get into it, even if they didn't want games. If their kid wanted games and they want, and their parents wanted a DVD player, guess what? You get both. It's also the first console to have support for a camera in the form of the Sony iToy, which is a terrible name. Um, that is a terrible. That is a really terrible name. EYE, not I, like Apple. They would, did not want to get sued. Anyway, <laughs> uh, other consoles released were the Nintendo GameCube, a beautiful little box from Nintendo, which only supported a mini DVD format disc, which means you couldn't watch DVDs at all. Bummer. Um, which was released on September 14th, 2001. Wow, that's really unfortunate. And, well, the Microsoft Xbox exists. This is the Green Machine, the Xbox, released on November 15th, 2001. The second console to have built-in internet functionality. PlayStation 2 had internet support, by the way, but it required an adapter. So, And the GameCube had something similar, but so they don't count. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Xbox had its own service called Xbox Live. You might have heard of the it. X- Xbox Live has existed as far back as the first Xbox. That's kind yes, of dope. It's, it's, yeah, it is kind of awesome. The Xbox is also a special note because it's technically just a fancy Windows computer using a modified version of Windows 2000 and running DirectX 8. It could also play DVDs, but it needed a whole fancy kit to do it, so it really wasn't good at it. Boo. Boo. No, I just, I guess, like, I remember the PlayStation 2 and, like, how how big of a deal it was. But I think also it's just, like, you know that's, like, Simpsons hit-and-run game that's, like... It's beautiful. I love that game. I love that yeah, game. <laughs> like, that was, that was for the PS2. Um, I, like, there were so, there were so many, like, PS2 games that were just, like, so fucking good like just insanely good um there was this like weird like snowboarding game that i can't this is extra tricky yes yeah uh, it came out it's also on gamecube that's why where, where i played it to be fair but i love that game that i have the song in my head forever forever and ever <laughs> no my friend was obsessed with that game so yeah no it's just like there, there are a lot of really good games that came out on those consoles one of the which was the smash bros that came out on gamecube melee yeah I I played that with my with like one of my cousins growing up because he had a GameCube and I did not. Um, so I don't know. Like yeah, I have a, I have a lot of I have a lot of nostalgia for like this specific gen of consoles. But I, I I think a lot of people like yeah I think a lot of people talk about the 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 PlayStation the, the PlayStation Two. I think a lot of people talk about the GameCube. Weirdly enough, I think the Dreamcast just has like this like tiny little cult following of people who are just like I will defend it to the day till the day I die. I'm one of them. I mean, it's a lot of good reasons to, to, to like, support the Dreamcast. Not being a fan person for a whole second, but, like, hear me out. Um, mm-hmm. Something we didn't mention, and I will mention it right now. You want to know one of the things that the Dreamcast did first? What? They had, their memory cards were called VMUs. The VMUs mm-hmm. uh, could have little games on them. That's so cool. Not just having little games on them, they would extend some games so the vmu companion for sonic adventure was a chow garden <laughs> that's so cool you could drag your chow around like a tamagotchi it was <laughs> and it's, it's things like that that like made me really think that the the dreamcast should have like worked better than it did 
I think part of the real problem is that they decided to not like pursue the you can watch media on this device thing. It's kind of why the PlayStation 2 took off so well. I mean, it really just sort of seems like the Dreamcast came out at the wrong time. Like, if it had come out a little earlier and there had been more buffer time between it and the PS2, it might have done better, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, it's a combination of that, and it also feels like it came out too, it came out too early, because it had a lot of really cool ideas that perhaps weren't ready. Interesting, okay. Fantasy Star Online is still a big game people play now on, <laughs> on, on custom homebrew servers. It's so cool. Anyway, mm-hmm. we've had like three minutes of riffing, so... <laughs> Really? That's it? That's a required amount of referring? We can move on now? Yeah, it's fine. We keep talking. Alright, bring in that clock. That's all the time we have for you guys today. We're gonna have the last of the history, the console history episodes that takes us through, uh, that takes us all the way through the current generation, which is Gen 9, yep. right? Uh, yeah. It takes us all the way through Gen 9. Uh, that'll be the episode two weeks from now, after next week's minisode. Uh, and then we'll be done with that and we can move on to the rest of the gaming arc because we have so much more planned than just console history, but this ended up being way longer than we expected it to. But yeah, we're really excited to bring all of that to you. And in the meantime, if you're looking for us, you can find us on our Instagram, which is at Techbots Podcast. We do our after show there every Friday at 8 p.m. ET on the weeks where Greyhound decides not to kill us. And you can also find us at our website, which is Jade. Techthoughts. Gay? Gay. Gay. All right. Um, yeah, so that's all we have for you guys this week, and we will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.